They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. I would like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons, which when I started this seemed like an attainable goal of, yeah, I'll mention five or six people's names. They'll love it. And now it's up to 20, which means you guys like me. Thank you so much. You are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Kraus, Little Nikki, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott R. Curie, and Stuart Hansen Gusted. And to my newest patrons, Ralph Lund, Luke Donnelly, Tom Painter, Cassandra Raguchi, Carolyn Thompson, Brian Beshia, Patrick R. Young, Scott R. Curie, and Chris Charles. It is really, really, really hard to ask people for money on the internet, especially for something that I am doing as a hobby. And for those of you who have stepped up and have been willing to help this continue on, I really appreciate it. Remember, there's only 24 hours in the day and the hours of time that I spend doing this, I could spend doing consulting for my full-time job, maybe taking on another job, and the fact that I get to do something that's both fun and good for my brain and a good way to deflate and come down from the day and everything else without it affecting you know, my family life and being a positive for me and my family is great. If you listen to that and you think, oh, this guy's just an e-beggar piece of crap, whatever, you can keep on walking because those of you that understand that time is money and money is time and appreciate what I do, I really appreciate you. This show is brought to you, like a lot of my shows recently, by Skeeter Plays. It is a Let's Play channel on YouTube from one of my very best friends, Steve Brennan. He's new to the game of Let's Playing, and so he needs your follows and watches. If you like me, my sense of humor, my compassion and kindness, you will love Steve. We are cut from the very same cloth, so get on over to Skeeter Plays for all your Let's Play needs. And with that, my guest today is Brian the Fuzzy. Good sir. How are you? <laughs> I am fantastic. Oh my God. It's amazing to think that just an offhanded Twitter remark would have me on a show with, uh, with, with the Chippa himself. So Chris, thank you for having me. Oh, I appreciate that. And you know, I, I do not take lightly the fact that people hold, hold me in some sort of <laughs> really cool regard like that. And I can only say the guy that you get is the guy that you interact with. I am a very, um, hard on my sleeve kind of guy. I, and I, I have to give you some credit, though, with that role of uh, new patrons. You actually read my name in that list, and I have to give you so much props for actually pronouncing it correctly on the first try, which is f amazing to me. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to find out when we're off air what that name actually is. <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm already extremely proud of you as a person. <laughs> cool, man. Oh, that's great. I, and again, I, I do try really hard to... To just make, make, <laughs> make, make the internet an easier place to be on. You know what I mean? We all, we all have so much crap going on in our lives that I, I'd rather just put positive content. I don't know if you know my story fully, but the reason I'm doing this is 100% because of my brother. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if you knew that, but he, he said, people like you, dude. Like you need an out, you need an outlet. And I said, I can't make stuff, you know, I have no time. And so the tangent was his way of, um, showing me that I could, and then he gifted it to me. So oh, I, I think that's amazing. 
it's important to find those little moments of life that bring you joy and bring others joy. And I'm with that uh, as well with a couple of friends of mine um, who uh, we, we're part of the local uh, anime and comic book convention set. Uh, here in Pennsylvania where we live and for the longest time I've got one one uh, one of my friends who goes by the handle uh, Ty the Sega guy who's actually going to starting pr- to produce content on his own it was the wow. hardest thing just to get him to do an hour-long panel about some of the stuff that he loves and yeah it's like all those little things that you're passionate about if you can find a platform or create a platform to get a chance to talk about it it really makes a difference in just the ether that is the internet and it makes a difference for self-esteem. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I think, I think it's, you know, obviously this, this show isn't, you know, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I've been told by people, they go, Hey, you know, getting a chance to talk to you, like some of my regular guests, is it getting a chance to be on and just shoot the shit with you for a half an hour and have it be a scheduled thing that I like have to make time for. And then sitting down and go, I feel so good after it. And I go, wow, like that's, they go, I actually feel better than I do sometimes when I get out of my therapist sessions. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I hope, um, I hope I didn't prescribe anything to you because I'll probably <laughs> drink a lot of scotch and that isn't very healthy uh, to do all the time. But no, yeah. so, so again, I, I mean it when I say that this is not me trying to be, you know, it, the fact that anybody thinks of me that way <laughs> amazes me and it makes me so damn happy because for, for a guy that, you know, battles with, with depression and lack of self-esteem and things like that, to know that that outward persona that I put out there makes people want to be around me and talk to me makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, you're not a, you're not a professional psychiatrist until you set up your wooden booth and get your nickel jar ready. Oh, uh, you didn't send, you didn't send the nickel. I have, I have an <laughs> it's, app. It's in the, no, I'm, I'm a patron. It's in the mail. <laughs> I thought that's the nickel Patreon takes from you. Anyway, ah, yes. <laughs> with, with, with that, with that, let, let's let's get to know each other before we get sure. into you know before we get into what output you're involved in that that's out there for people to to see. You know, how old are you? Where are you from? Like, uh, so I have the the f- great fortune of uh, being in my mid thirties now. I turned thirty four this year. Uh, oh, congrats! I'm thirty six. Nice. <laughs> Um, we had some, some big, uh, events this year. I officially got married. Congratulations. Uh, a long time girlfriend of about seven years together before tying the knot. So we knew it was serious and nice. I am out of, uh, the central Pennsylvania area. Uh, York mechanicsburg, uh, Harrisburg is, has been my, uh, stomping grounds for the better part of my life. And nice. Yeah, it's it's okay. Uh, the weather's finally turning. It's we, we saw the leaves changing in October, and now all of them are in my yard, and it's wonderful. Yeah, so we're 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 right along the same um, the same basic uh, distance from the equator, and everything else. Our weather <laughs> is very similar. Um, we we actually just took a trip out to um, out to Pennsylvania, my wife and kids and I, out to the Hershey area. Oh um, yeah, and and again, not to you know. My kids are too little to do the theme park thing, but you know we went to the Chocolate World and they went on the mm-hmm. ride, and we and we went to all the farms and visited the Amish, and you know it was it was wonderful. You gotta my, my, love you gotta love a business model that includes a factory tour that guarantees candy at the end. That Hershey has got that on lock. <laughs> yeah, and their and their factory tour is you know of the level of quality of a you know older Disney ride, and it's free, 
and it's like you guys are crazy. Oh like, my god! <laughs> it's amazing to th- it's amazing to think that I have lived in this area of my entire life. I can talk to you about like the three or four different iterations of that tour ride just in my lifetime. That's so cool. <laughs> let, let, let's let's pin that because I might want to talk about that. But um, I, I also you know just you know to say the area because you know that is the history of that area. That's yeah. certain things and growing up in the Boston area, I'm surrounded by that kind of stuff too. So I grew up on the, you always take the bus tour and you always take the trolley ride and you always read the rock with a plaque. And they did a trolley ride around basically the town that, you know, Hershey built, right. That was one of the coolest. And I guess like the kids on it that run it are like local theater people. So I, I don't know if you've been on it, but, um, have you been on this? It was an amazingly good historic ride and oh, also yeah. a great show that they yes. put on. I've been on the trolley ride probably once in my life when I was a wee youngin, uh, many years younger than I am now. Um, and it's cool. amazing. It's amazing to think like uh, you're, you're a kid. Obviously, you're in Chocolate Town. Uh, there's the entertainment. There's the, the candy. There's the brand. There's the massive store of stuff inside of Chocolate World. And you're all for that. And then you get older and hopefully wiser and you realize about the important uh, history of the town. You realize just how much of an important figure Milton Hershey is. And yes. as a, as a, as a feature, as like a captain of industry, you, you think about guys in his view and you realize, no, he's actually in many ways a damn decent human being. And that's why his bronze statue is still standing in Hershey park. Yeah. That's one of those things. Like you, you go on it and you hear all this stuff and you go, okay, they definitely told me a lot of great stuff about this guy and I want to believe. So mm-hmm. then you go back and you do the research and you go, Oh no crap. The, for being a person, a man in the time period he was in, mm-hmm. he was about as good of a man as you could be <laughs> in, that, in that time period. Cause again, everybody's got some, you know, status in history and status in life. You have to be a certain way to get by, but what he gave back mm-hmm. holy crap <laughs> like, I, will, I will say if you're interested in the darker side of hershey uh look up some of his uh on the record uh historical dealings with the mars company the uh-huh. mars company that is a business rivalry on the le- level of coke and pepsi on a magnitude that i cannot fathom and it's amazing to think that he's still very much an honest corporate executive all the same yeah it's, it's crazy and and you know for for what it's worth you know for the type of thing they're putting on we took um my daughter who at the time was four or just about four um who has autism spectrum diagnosis and so oh. her her ability to like do like we weren't sure if she would like the ride mm-hmm. and it was hard to get her on it and once she went on it she was in love and she went on it eight times and, and we obliged <laughs> it was free you know exactly. what I mean? Like, but we took her on that trolley ride, and you know, I, I don't know if they did this when you went on, but they had two kids pretending to be people from the period, telling you a story about working with Milton Hershey, and they would get they'd get off the train at a stop, and like I have to go home and tell my mom something. The kid would hop on the back, change his clothes, and come back on as a different character. Oh, that's wonderful! And, and my daughter, one hundred percent, she goes, "Where did Kyle go?" <laughs> And then he showed back up at the end and she was so happy. Kyle, you made it back. But she was 100. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is oh. like, like the, the level of interaction. I was blown away by it because, you know, it's, it's of course, you know, a hand over fist money making opportunity mm-hmm. for, 
But but just like the best of them, like just like the Disney worlds and everything else, to look back on it at the other end and go, and I was very happy to give them that money. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't I didn't feel ripped off by the experience at all. Like they wanted you to have they wanted the product to be worth what you were putting into it. And I think that's really cool. It's one of those things that kind of reminds me of some older models of doing business where they know that the whole the biggest money-making operation is going to be selling the candy. You know, they have the extra souvenirs for you. They have some extra shows that are out of pocket, but at the end of the day, the candy is where they make most of their money so they can afford to put on some stuff for free and go the extra mile in various places and not have it reflect on uh, the tourists and, and the visitors and stuff that are actually taking this stuff. So it makes it a much better experience overall. And really honestly, does. honestly, like the associations with your brother, associations with podcasts, I followed you on Twitter mainly to watch stuff about your family because your family is adorable and I love them. Oh, oh dude, I really <laughs> appreciate that. I wish, I wish Twitter wasn't such a hellscape that I could put more photos of them on there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I share those privately on Facebook with people that I'm friends with because I love photos. But <laughs> even those have a tendency to make themselves into the worst reaches of the internet. Oh, I know. And, and I, I just, I can't understand why people would, even if they don't like someone. I mean, my brother is very upfront about what he does and doesn't like about people. Mm-hmm. Just, just walk on by. Why? Why is it such an affront? You know what I mean? Like I, I am a, I am a genuinely good person, and so is he. And you guys just need to lay off, <laughs> which they won't. But no, and, and I, I appreciate that because my my family is the most important thing to me, mm-hmm. and um, and spoken, I do this for them. like a true dad. <laughs> and I and I do, and I. Oh, well, I mean, this is how I felt when I was twelve. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> um, but uh, but this this is this is why I do what I do. I mean, I. You know, I come from a family where, you know, my granddad told me when I was six years old that I'd be an engineer and that always stuck in the back of my head, Um, (laughs) you know, and and to me, it's like, yeah, he was right. You were right. I can do this. I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father, on the other hand, always said that if he could have chosen his career again, he would have been in radio. And I think that's where the podcasting comes from. Yeah. It, it definitely scratches that itch that I haven't had since college. Uh, I went to, to school in Pittsburgh, and I got to be a part of the university radio station, and that was an experience of, uh, I guess, my, my brother my, my brother was kind of the same way in, in how he supports me. Like, I, I, I'm trying to do the general 9-to-5 job. I've got a degree that doesn't work much unless I go into insurance, which I don't want to do, oh. or, go in, or go into education, which I've already tried and failed. But um, my brother was always the kind of person who said, looked at me and said, you know, whatever you do, I'm sure you're going to be in a job that requires you to perform and it'll be it'll be the best thing ever. Um, I haven't yet made this my career just yet, but I've got my foot in the door in a couple of places that are just satisfying emotionally, if not financially, nice. which is oh, also that's awesome. Um, yeah, and the radio and and Pitts, Pitt, uh, University of Pittsburgh, where I went, um, they did a fun thing. I mean, you think of college radio, you think of a radius of about five city blocks on like the the lowest band you could possibly get of whatever uh, pocket radio anybody's got. You know, do people still carry transistor radios? I'm not that old, but that's where my mind went. Jesus. Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> I know, I know people that do, but they're weird. Um, so that's <laughs> Pitt had an honest to God radio station in the megawatt range on, uh, 92.1 FM. We were heard, we had, we had, uh, internet broadcast and we had an actual radius in the city of Pittsburgh's and we had to, because it was an FM band, 
I got firsthand experience in uh, FCC guidelines. You had to take a test. I was delighted to find out that there's not just one uh, list of seven deadly words. There are two <laughs> lists of seven, seven words you cannot use on the air. Um, so George Carlin was still very prescient <laughs> when he came up with that. That's awesome. Um, and probably, and, and, and this is something else, God, weird connections that I'm making just off the fly talking about this with you. The best interaction we ever got on the radio was during a morning show. We had somebody IM us from the Boston area to, to thank us because we played Donovan over the air and it was the first time he had heard it in years. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And that would be a guy from Boston. I've been up looking for the frequencies all night. What have you been oh, doing? Well, the bar and, and the reason you get guys like that from Boston <laughs> is because unlike other parts of the country, the bar is closed, so they have yeah. to come up with something else to do. It's so a I shame we never. Him. It's a shame we never got that kind of response when we played Terry Bradshaw's album. But you know, ah! <laughs> <laughs> we had yeah, that yeah. framed. We had that framed in the studio. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so um, interesting connections that you're making. I have been to Pittsburgh, which mm-hmm. I. A lot of people in my neck of the woods can't say Pittsburgh isn't like one of those places that, you know, you just find yourself in. But, uh, but, I, but <laughs> yeah, I, I you, went, I, you don't, you don't go to Pitt. You end up in Pittsburgh. Well, so we, <laughs> me, me and my buddies um, in college, God, before college, sorry, my friend moved out to um, a college in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so we took him. We, we decided, you know what, we all want to spend some time together one last time. So the four of us got a, got a big truck and we drove him and all his stuff out to school. And we used it as like an opportunity to do fun things like go to amusement parks. We went to Cedar Point in Ohio. And we, oh, that's you know, a great one. But, but we also followed the Red Sox. And um, so we saw the Red Sox play the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Oh, no kidding. In a doubleheader. We stayed oh. in Pittsburgh. And then we saw... Um, the Red Sox play the Cubs, and then we saw the Pirates play the Cubs, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. So we followed both teams. Um, but uh, Pittsburgh was an odd, and again, this was in 2001, 2002. So, so yeah, two years before I attended. Yeah. So <laughs> what I was wondering is where is the University of Pitt? Because I know the geography a little bit about the area. So where is it? Okay, I don't know that now. Uh, I speak as a Pennsylvanian, so my That's directions, fine. my directions all come from getting off of I seventy six and getting into yeah, the city. Okay, I'm I'm following. Uh, all right, Let's so from 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 the turnpike to three seventy six, there is an off ramp just after the Squirrel Hill Tunnel that takes you to Oakland. And yeah, that okay, is where the, okay. that's where the University of Pittsburgh is. The main campus is uh, in the Oakland district of Pittsburgh. So and how far is that? And you, you don't have to know exact numbers, but how far is that from? Because the coolest thing from because I'm picturing it. The mm-hmm. coolest thing in Pittsburgh is, you know, Boston is Boston. For a lot of people that don't know, the majority of the city of Boston is fake. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is if you go to downtown Boston, there's a line you can see cut through the financial district that shows you where the shore used to be. And oh. Boston continues way out past that. It's a landfill. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so you, you know, there is a district called Faneuil Hall that you can walk around in that's still all cobblestone streets where all the old pubs are. Literally, the shore used to be right after that. <laughs> and, and, the, and the city continues instead. So I grew up around cities that, you know, 
were oddly for Massachusetts being a very hilly and you know old area, a lot of the cities, even Salem, most of Salem burnt down. So Salem mm-hmm. is a lot of new like early 1900s stuff. You don't find a lot of old witch buildings in Salem anymore. They all burnt <laughs> down. Um, so it, it's just an interesting Pittsburgh kind of being in the middle of like nowhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> really like that with that river surrounding it in the hill and kind of like you're coming down into a valley and all those bridges to get in and everything. It was like, it had an air of like fantasy city to it. Like if I had to design a city and make it look cool, like, I mean, you know, you already have that with the the castle like structure of the PPG building. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so the university, like, how far it is is it from downtown proper? Because there's Old Town up on the hill, and then yep. there's you know how far like from PNC Park is is the university? I want to say probably like fifteen to twenty minutes by bus. Because uh, okay. okay. Forbes Avenue, Forbes Avenue, and Fifth Avenue both kind of cut right from the Gateway Plaza in downtown, where that. The, the light rail stop, the, the light rail station is, and you have that McDonald's over by um, Stanwix Avenue. Um, and that's like a stone's throw across the bridge from uh, Station Square, I think, where the, where the, the stadiums are. Yeah. Um, so it's like, a, it's, it's like a, a 10 to 15 minute ride down from uh, Oakland and then another five minutes to get over the bridge unless you get yeah, to get a, 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 a thing up. So like 20 to 30 minutes driving. <laughs> If you have your not, sir, not, not not crazy far, far though, it's not it's not like you know like if somebody says, well, Chris, you you live near Boston, so how is it going to see the Patriots? You know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> after the eighty minute car ride to get there, yeah, <laughs> no, it's very much it's still very much within city limits. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's easier to go see the the uh, Penguins play certainly because the bus stop yeah. right there. Yeah, but no, it's not too difficult. And and uh, obviously with with Pitt, the the university team plays on those fields as well. So obviously they want to make it easier for the the students to get down there and see them in action. Um, it's one of those fun things, also as as a a, a Pitt grad, because one of the uh, lecture halls was built on the site that the old Forbes Field used to be. So if you want to think about how easy was it to go to the a Pirates game when you were a student, you used to be able to see it from like one of the top balconies on the Cathedral of Learning. Oh, that's cool. And there's photos of it. I remember um, it's one of the reasons I went to go see the movie. I wanted to see the movie 42, the uh, mm. the Jackie Robinson biopic, is because there's that scene at the end where they're playing the pirates on Forbes Field, and you have the, the Cathedral of Learning in the background as Chadwick Boseman rounds the bases uh, at the very so end. Cool. And I love the, the pedants, always the pedants, because some people actually complained about the movie that the Cathedral of Learning is facing the wrong direction for that shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh i i had a similar one um and, and you know movies do that all the time right there, there's a, there's a um in being in the field that i am in i find myself at a lot of government radar installations that oh, the public, that, that the public <laughs> isn't welcome into mm-hmm. and there is one that i've been to frequently in westford that is a place that they name by name in the film knowing and this move this place has been in films a lot but this one in particular cracked me up so this area has many giant satellite dishes and is mm-hmm. super cool looking but the filmmakers decided to add like five or six more because it didn't look badass enough for them and i remember <laughs> going that is not what that looks like <laughs> when i watched the movie <laughs> and like and then same you got- thing yeah, and then you, ahead, the, then you get the flip side of it, where you've got things that are set somewhere else, but filmed in your hometown, and oh, yeah. you, get to, you get to recognize it. 
I had that with the the Dark Knight Rises, that like penultimate oh. chase. At the, that penultimate chase at the end of the movie was using the same hundred yards of downtown street over and over and over again. Yes, it's it not was. really that big. Um, my uh, podcast partner Marissa gets this also because she's originally from the Cleveland area. Oh no! So one of the more most entertaining uh, movie experiences with her uh, most recently the first Avengers movie, which is supposed uh-huh. to be in New York City in Stuttgart, but it's entirely in Cleveland. It's like, that's that's not what New York looks like. And I just yeah. leaned over and I know. Well, just watch the movie. I, I, re- <laughs> I remember calling bullshit on that when I was watching it, too. It's like, I, I've been to that street. It's not that's, in New York. That's Terminal Tower. I know what that is. <laughs> um, you know, and it's it's funny. and it's It's hard, right? Because, you know, when there's a way like if the movie is silly enough like like a superhero movie and stuff it's like yeah sure do it it, i had this with aquaman i love the big dumb stupidity that is aquaman that oh it's it's wonderful i know but the thing that really broke me is that the new england aquarium Mm -hmm. is a is a beautiful place you don't have to add anything to the new england aquarium (laughs) to make it look cool right the place that is supposedly the app Boston Aquarium at the opening <laughs> of that movie uh-huh. that has a larger than life tank, which the New England Aquarium already has a big tank. I don't know why they did what they did in this movie, <laughs> but there's that. And then the fact that there's like great white sharks and stuff in it, which there aren't any. And it just, I'm sitting there going, this is so silly. Like just film the New England Aquarium. It's cool looking. Why did you have to do this? Oh, I, I have to ask you this. Cause I remember responding to you on Twitter about this. So let's skip over from movies for a bit. How about where you live represented in video games? Cause I know you dropped oh. fan wheel hall. And I remember talking to you on Twitter about some other place you mentioned. And I said, I'd visited that in fallout. Yes. Okay. Let's talk so about this because I've got some gripes about Fallout. Yes. So I I have not played um, Fallout Four uh, because I hadn't had a console <clears throat> that was good enough to play it until recently. So I need mm-hmm. to get it and play it. But I have watched it being played, um, and I only use that caveat because I can't I can't make comments on how the game plays. I can only mm-hmm. make comments. It is really goddamn cool to see an area where you live represented in a game. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that game has so much. I mean, what is it? The, the shanty town is in Fenway Park. Yep. They've got, um, like you said, they've got, you know, a few other things. Um, Faneuil Hall is there. Faneuil Hall is there. They've got, the, one of the quests has you walking the actual Freedom Trail. Yes. But um, this, is the, this is the one that blew me away. As I said to someone, I go, okay. So they did Boston. I noticed that they did the Salem Witch Museum, which you've seen me talk about. And I know, mm-hmm. I know it was Salem Witch Museum is in the game in all of its glory and um, <laughs> is actually also, if you wanted to see what the inside of that museum looks like, I was blown away by the fact that not only did Hubie Halloween actually film at it, but they actually depict it as it is on the inside during that movie. And oh, the Witch awesome. Museum is the strangest place. It's like a great big living diorama mm-hmm. that tells you the story in it. And as a kid, you know, it's a cool museum, but as a kid, it is boring because it's just someone talking about it. And then they, you know, put the girls on trial and you're sitting there, okay, get to the part with the devil, you know, (laughs) but, uh, but it is a really cool place. And to see it so factually depicted in a movie that unfortunately they shot 75% of it in Marblehead, because like I said, Salem doesn't look like you think Salem looks, that's the Salem's a great place, but it doesn't look like 
people think it does. It's, um, yeah, it's it's the coconut effect writ large. You know, I think that's yeah. also the reason why they changed the aqua- the the New England Aquarium for. Oh, it is. It is. It is. Hundred percent. But, it's, but, but it's, just, it's disappointing that it can't always work. Yeah. My uh, favorite I, I, thing. My oh, favorite thing in Fallout was I saw somebody going, and now we're going to Lynn, and I went going to Lynn. Yes. Yes. Like. Of all places, Lynn, like Lynn is, <laughs> Lynn's huge. And Lynn, if you're going to do something about history, a ton of stuff was pioneered in Lynn. You know, you, you talk about shoes, you talk about the first, the first lit baseball. The general was the Rolling Stones played their first U.S. show in Lynn at the football field that my high school played at. You know, this is, this is crazy stuff that happened in the city. But of all things, you go to Lynn and you go to Lynn Woods, mm-hmm. Lynn Woods. Okay. What are they going to do with Lynn Woods? We're going to go looking for pirate treasure because there's supposed to be pirate treasure buried there. Um, but but Lynn Lynn Woods is the second largest city park, and I say city park, mind you, because I don't want to be oh, but Yellowstone is bigger. I said city park. Yep, is the second largest city park in the country to um, uh, Central Park in New York, and you wouldn't know it because there's not a whole lot of ways you can access it. It's not like a very big publicized thing, but it is a giant, well-kept woods in the middle of an urban city. The reason it is a giant, well-kept woods in the middle of an urban city is a funny story. The family (laughs) that owned it was owned by a crazy guy who thought pirate treasure was buried there. He started digging a hole called Dungeon Rock, which you can still go to, and they do pirate days there. He was digging a hole looking for the treasure. His family owned the property after he passed away and gifted it to the city and said, the only caveat of us giving it to you is that you don't develop on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it became the second largest city park in the country. <laughs> so I, it's I definitely, beautiful. Yeah. I definitely get to you get that. Um, go attending the university of Pittsburgh. So I lived out in Pittsburgh for about five, five and a half years uh, during my college life there. And one of the, one of the most striking things about it is you would never know that, two universities in the same space are right next door to each other in Oakland, just because the landscape around them is so different. So you got Pitt and Pitt is, is uh, like city blocks. It's large buildings. Um, You've got the Litchfield towers where most of the freshmen, which is most of the freshman dorms. It's three huge circular buildings stretching up like 12 to 13 to 15 stories and those house students and right next to that is the Shanley quad which is old hotels that house students and then you've got and, and all of this is is city park the most green that you see on Pitt's campus is the lawn in front of the soldiers and sailors memorial which is right across the street from the lawn of the cathedral of learning and then you go two blocks down Forbes Avenue to CMU's campus, and they've got rolling green hills yep. and fruit trees and cherry blossoms and stuff. And that intersection overlooks Shenley Park, which is another big, as you just you described, Lynn Woods, as big, it's forested, it's got all these trails going through it, and you're looking at it from overhead, there's no clear way down to it until yep. you go all the way around past CMU's campus um on the other side of that and then there's a trail heading down where the uh, parking lots are wow it's amazing you get this little this little bit of wilderness but but the the striking difference between Pitt, which is a city city college very much and cmu which looks like a small college town college in the same city limits is baffling yeah it's crazy the way landscapes can change like that and and i'm not used to that you know i mean yeah you go a few cities outside of boston and you end up with beautiful areas and it's strange Mm -hmm. But, like, I was in Nova Scotia and got hit with that. Like, I went to Halifax, 
you drive like a half a mile outside of Halifax and you were in like upstate Maine. <laughs> it's it's so weird. It, like and and I I love parts of the world like that where they allow, you know, the build up of structure to not take over everything. You know, it's like we need this here and then you go a little ways down the road and it's beautiful again. And and here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, going back to Fallout though cuz I finally oh, got yeah. a chance I finally got a chance to play through uh, all of Fallout 3 again and they have that one that expansion that was touted that first expansion, The Pit, where you yep. take a trip, you take a trip to the city of Pittsburgh and I have to say I was extremely disappointed. Um I wasn't expecting them to give it the same treatment as like the whole Capital Wasteland area, but you get you get the Fort Pitt Bridge, which is really freaking cool. Uh, you come out of the tunnel and you go across the Fort Pitt Bridge into into Pittsburgh proper, and you can see all of bombed out downtown's cityscape before you, which was really impressive. And then you get maybe two blocks of a fake downtown Pittsburgh area outside of a foundry space, and then one one loading screen away from that is the Cathedral of Learning, which is not how that works. Um, <laughs> overseen by uh, a guy in power armor painted in Steelers co- colors and that's it. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Bethesda is ever going to go back and give Pittsburgh the fallout for like treatment, but it'd be nice. It'd yeah. Be and nice. That, that's, that's the wild thing. The, the fun, the, the most interesting funny part about that fallout Four thing is out of all of that. Yeah. So you do Lynn, you do Lynn woods, but it's the area you're in in Lynn woods that still blows me away. So as a mm-hmm. kid, being in Boy Scouts, we used to walk those trails all the time. And I remember, Woods, I remember, I remember you and Bob talking about that. Yeah, when it came out. And Lynn Woods has these two towers, and they're they're both they're both fire towers. They're they're lookout towers, right? And they're they're at the highest parts in the city, outside of downtown, which has a tower also that has a um, it has a uh, planetarium-ish thing on the top of it, which a, a, a terrace telescope, which is really cool too. Um, but these two towers, it was stone and steel tower. And stone tower is like this gothic, like, castle structure. Yeah. up in the middle of it. And the fact that that is in the game mm-hmm. blew me away. I'm like, it's stone tower. Like, But whenever Bob and I made, like, short films when we were kids, we got to get up to stone tower and film something <laughs> there. And uh, it's, it's so cool that, one, that tower is still standing. And, two, that, like, whoever made the game went, yeah, that's what we're doing. It's, like, it's a really. Wonder- it's a wonderful, iconic piece of architecture. Why wouldn't you include it? It's just really cool. Like, I mean, yeah. Lynn is not a small city, you know? So it's like, it's one of those things like, like, you know, I wouldn't even think of Stone Tower right now. If you said, you're going to put Lynn in a game, what would you do? Well, you know, I'd put the the downtown and, you know, the waterfront because we mm-hmm. have this really beautiful, strange, but really beautiful <laughs> waterfront beach, you know, and everything. It's like, what what is going on? It's like, wow, Stone Tower. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if 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 game developers want a real challenge, make a Need for Speed like street racing game, but set it in Pittsburgh. <gasps> you will drive your players absolutely nuts. <laughs> no. Oh god! The 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 city has one of the most labyrinthine highway systems ever constructed, and it's because, as we were talking about, the city kind of grew out organically onto the hillsides around the entire point section where the three rivers meet. Right. Um, that's where the original Fort Pitt was, um, and it's it, I, it's changed since I was uh, I went to school there because I've been I, I go to Pittsburgh uh, once every year except for this year for reasons um, because one of my uh, one of the conventions I frequent is uh, out there um, at the David Lawrence Convention Center in downtown, 
And it strikes me that, that downtown has changed. It used to be when I was a student um, around 2004 to 2009, uh, the joke was downtown pretty much closes, except for the McDonald's on Stanwix, downtown closes entirely after 6 p.m. because That's no- exactly what. Gonna say, is it no one ghost town there? No one lives in downtown Pittsburgh. I should say I should say no one lived in downtown Pittsburgh. They're starting to gentrify that whole space a bit more with uh, loft apartments and the like. So people actually are living downtown now. But yeah, because everybody would just commute. They'd they'd come in over the bridges from like uh, uh, Green Tree or uh, Mount Lebanon or come down from Mount Washington uh, and go to work in like the PPG building, the paints building. Um and what have you, and all those office buildings downtown, and then come quitting time, they'd go home. <laughs> so all of downtown is just flat empty except for the buses. Um, we used to joke that uh, one of my favorite jokes is it's a city of neighborhoods um, surrounding the downtown area because no one cares yes. about no one cares about being from like Pittsburgh. They care about being from I'm from Oakland or I'm from Mount Lebanon and what have you. Um, and the other joke is I mentioned CMU sharing space with Pitt. There are at least uh, two other colleges just in the Oakland area. Three other universities, I think, in the downtown area, counting Duquesne and Point Park University. Uh, and two others that I can think of. There's Chatham and there's one other, I think, in the shady side area. So we used to joke that uh, you've heard about college towns with drinking problems. Pittsburgh's a drinking town with a college problem. Yeah, it sounds about right. We, <laughs> we definitely got that feeling um, when we when we went over to the, you know, the, the hill area there. Because the mm-hmm. that's where everybody went. And we wouldn't have known. We hadn't asked someone. So, what you know, what, where's cool to go for dinner? And they go, well, you got to leave the city. Like, what do yeah. you mean leave the city? They go, you got to go over to Old Town. We're like, yep. and we got to Old Town. We're like, oh, this is a party. Like, it's a good <laughs> thing we came here. <laughs> you get like a couple of, you get a couple of lounges and high priced eateries in downtown. And that's about it. Unless you go to the theater district, which right. has a lot more of the mid-scale uh, accoutrements there. Um, that was the first place I ever went to a noodles and company was in Pittsburgh. Uh, noodles and company we've they've they've made their way out here yeah they made their way up to uh, where i live now in the harrisburg area so i'm very happy for that ah a lot of cool stuff gotta love cheap spaghetti you gotta (laughs) gotta so um so you know being being in in that area and being you know super geeky as 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 we (laughs) all are what are um you know you know you you grew up in that area you went to college in that area and so then what are your what are your uh, what are your loves? What are the things that you um that you get into as far as uh you know um what's the word like you know things you're enthusiastic about? I uh, tend to I tend to really go in in cycles with my fixation at the moment, which you know as somebody who was diagnosed ADHD as a kid is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood. My my Twitter bio uh, talks about so I got into for the, for the longest time I was deep into. Um, my Little Pony when it came out in, uh-huh. in 2010. I was a brony. I was proud to call myself that until, you know, people ruined it. Uh, I was. I remember my, my, one of my best friends, Jeremy, um, was and is a total brony in, mm-hmm. in, the way that, in the way that you say you were, not in the creepy <laughs> way. And um, uh, um, I remember watching the Bob's Burgers episode of that when it aired, and I was right. like, Jeremy, yeah, yeah, I was like yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy, look. Look what I found. And I sent him a clip from the episode. <laughs> they're, they're, they're at a convention surrounded by middle-aged men that dress up like ponies. They couldn't be anywhere safer in the world. And he's like, I hate you. And, and, I, and, 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 I, love, and I love that. 
So I, I started a lot of a lot of my geekery with uh, anime, uh, Japanese animation. Um, my first Otacon, I think, was when I was 15 uh, in oh, high school. Cool. My, my friends drove me down to Baltimore to spend the weekend. And I got involved in the local scene in Pittsburgh when I was a student there. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever had any kind of in inclination to run content of my own, which was a lot of fun. Uh, my very first panel, I, I'm, I'm proud of this. I just can't get it shopped anywhere else. Um, my my longest running panel at at this convention um, is something I call Anime Fight Club. And oh, I love it. I describe it as this. Uh, do you ever have that? Everybody in any free fandom has this, whether it's it's comic books, it's cartoons, it's sports, it's real life, what have you. Did you ever get into a conversation with a friend that turned inevitably to the subject of who do you think would win in a fight? Yeah, actually, funny. That, funny you mentioned that it. is have the you, panel. Have you heard my episode um, with Robert Aldrich where we did that with Street Fighter? Oh, God, no, but I want to now. So he, <laughs> he, did, he did a panel that sounded similar, but it was real-world Street Fighter where he, he broke down the characters into, okay, if we pretended for a minute that these people could actually exist, mm -hmm. um, you know, what would their real world counterpart be and how would the fight go? Like who would win? Yeah. And we, we then went and bracketized it and did it as an episode, <laughs> um, just to see, Hey, you know, if you didn't have your notes where you knew where it was going to end up, if we blindly rolled people into brackets, how would it play out? And it was so much fun to just like go through it and like, and I, I love stuff like that. I yeah, absolutely I, love. I I am my co-host. We joke that we have we we're proud to still have the record for the longest one-hour panel and longest two-hour panel in the convention's history. Because really, I, I, it took so long to get through, but people were still so enthusiastic about finishing it out. We eventually adjourned both times to the hotel bar that was attached to the convention center, so we could keep, we could hash out and come up with a with a winner. It was a that single limit. It was a single elimination tournament, so I just got a bunch of characters from anime and games and movies and whatnot, and we, we just randomly put them together and say, here's the pairings, who do you think would win and why? And over time, we've been running this for, I think, about 16 years now. It's been a staple. What? Yeah. And I, I love this because it still keeps getting bigger. Um, uh, we we had uh, we had a, a sec we had an off main events room for our panel last year and we filled it to about half capacity um, for the start and it just kept filling up. I'm really proud of it. But um, we've we've changed we've changed as we go. So we were happy to ha we always say we are happy to have people who want to argue with us from like the actual technical strengths and weaknesses kind of things. We are always happy to have people who know the characters, who know the shows and stuff that they're from and want to argue with passion. We make no bones about the fact that we are a comedy show. So yes. we, we tend to give more credence to people who come up with great jokes that make the entire room laugh. I, I like to joke, it's a racket that we get the convention attendees to entertain themselves for an hour and a half. And um, that's, but it's, that's, but it's also that's, great. That's the fandom, man. Yeah. That, that's, that's so good. We, we started off with just that straight up single elimination tournament, but because I'm such a big fan of pro wrestling, I, we eventually started trying to make it into more of a pro wrestling kind of format. So we have like, we're trying to come up with like long running arcs. I have an actual honest to God championship belt um, <laughs> that I bring to the panel and the, the delight of my life. I'll see you when we're off the air about uh, sending you a couple of pictures from past years. The delight of my life now has been getting some of the local cosplayers in on it. Um, so if there's yeah. a character, if there's a character in the fight, we'll let them 
come up and like give a, a one minute uninterrupted why do you think you should win as if they're speaking for the character and a lot of times we've had it, it where the person who wins the overall tournament at the end and gets awarded the championship if we have uh, somebody cosplaying in the audience we invite them up and we take their picture with the championship belt that's so good it was so good and some of the the the, the jokes have been uh, a lot of fun um my one favorite let's see if i can talk about some favorite matchups yeah, uh, we had uh, we had one. This was a traveling one, so we did this at, at a convention in Ohio instead. We had uh, Stiltskin the Moogle from Final <laughs> Fantasy XI against uh, Dante from Devil May Cry. Yep, and the fight went the way of Stiltskin, and I love this. this really? This, yes, this was one of the best jokes. So one person came up and argued in favor of Stiltskin, and here's how he's going to win: He'll invite Dante to save his game, and then yank out the memory card as it's saving. That wins by that. That's exactly <laughs> the the worst one. The, the the most recent one, and I have this on tape. I haven't posted it anywhere yet. Uh, we had um, uh, Midoriya from uh, the show My Hero Academia against Miles Morales, and we were explicitly using the um, uh, Into the Spider Verse version for yep. brevity's sake. And this uh, one African American gentleman came up, and he knew he was going to blow the house down, and he even he even did. He did this whole prep work before he stepped up to the microphone and made his argument. And he says Miles is going to win because he's got one thing that Midoriya doesn't: his father's love. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and I have on tape this wave of reactions going through both us on stage and the entire crowd, and we just called it right there. It's like you're not getting better than that. That's dark and wonderful. All the same time. <laughs> My God. Uh, you know, you, you brought up the, the thing about the memory card made me think of something hilarious. And I would love to see um, this is a cosplay someday and see if anybody understood it. Um, I would love to see. Do you remember the, the, the Psycho Mantis stuff from Metal Gear Solid? Yes, absolutely. And wouldn't it be great if someone like did a cosplay where like, they had a character as Snake, a character as Psycho Mantis, and then a character with a PlayStation controller plugged into the second <laughs> controller. And, like, to see if anybody gets it. I, oh, man. When, when, I, when I played that game for the first time, I rented it, and this is what made me buy the game, is, soon, is when Psycho Mantis was like, I see that you're at so-and-so on Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Maybe you want to try, and I go, he's reading my memory card. Yeah. Like, this game is brilliant. <laughs> it's he's, he does a scan for any Konami titles, and I, I yep. got that. So I see you like Sweet Coden, and I was I was first of all I was amazed that they did that, and secondly I was happy. It's like cool. Now that I know how that game's pronounced. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this kind of stuff. And I've done other things at at conventions as well so one of my favorite things and this is sort of the thing i do with uh, the podcast i have with marissa and our other uh, podcast partners is i very much got into tv tropes um yep. tv tropes ruined my life ruined my vocabulary and i am forever grateful for it honestly um so i would spend some time there i had a friend in college that i did uh, improv theater with who was one of the people behind the echo chamber show if you remember that on tv tropes yep um, yep, Tom, he's an old college friend of mine. Nice. Um, and so a lot of the things I, I, I do now tend toward um, content around what is it that, that fascinates me? So mentioning ponies, 
one of the things I did was a um, hour long, I did an hour long panel once called "In Defense of the Equestria Girls" movie, uh, sort of as <laughs> as it's as it's right as a property to exist. And then I eventually changed that when more of them came out. And it's like you know what, Sunset Shimmer is now my favorite character. I'm going to talk for an hour and a half about her, and that led That's to awesome. uh, that led to explorations of like, well, what's a good, what makes a great redemption arc for certain characters that like used to be villainous, and so you go to not so much, not even just in ponies. So you go to the prime example would be like Prince Zuko from the last airbender has uh-huh. one of the greatest arcs I've ever seen a character go through. And Dante Basco is a fantastic actor. Uh, Cause he just sells the whole performance. Um, we go into uh, one other fun thing that I always enjoyed, which is actors overacting. Um, <laughs> we used to do, we used to do a thing. Um, Marissa and I, we had a previous podcast to this one where we call, we had a, a segment called great moments in ham. And the idea of it was we awarded a little large ham trophy to the actor or performance of the week. Um, it started from something that she did, uh, when she was a, a wrestling columnist. So whoever would gave the most enthusiastic promo got the ham award. Uh, and after a while, it just came to recognizing uh, not so much overacting, but great acting in general. It's like you can tell when an actor is going so hard on a performance um, because they buy into what this character is about. And I would also start changing it up a little bit because like my running catchphrase now when I see uh, actors giving uh, a lot of powerful emotions on screen and giving it believably, especially the like, tearjerker moments. My my go-to comment right now is it's always complimentary when I say this, but this actor is acting their ass off, and I am here for it. Yep. Oh yeah, <laughs> love that kind of stuff. Uh, and again, it's you know it, it can salvage. You know, people will be like, "Well, but that actor was so good in it. How come you don't like the movie all that much?" And I said, "Here's the thing. I don't have to like the movie to like the performance. Exactly. Like, I can ex- I can accept the fact that Joaquin Phoenix rocks the fucking hell out of that Joker movie mm-hmm. and not like." And not like it. He's great. He gets exactly what movie he's in. I wish the movie got what movie he's in. <laughs> you know best, what I mean? The best example I go to always is uh, the 1990s Street Fighter movie. With oh, Raul, yeah. With Raul Julia as M. Bison. He was incredible. The hell out of M. Bison from start to finish. The movie and is worth it watching. levitates me. me. <laughs> so I beheld Satan as he fell from heaven. Like <laughs> the movie so is worth good. watching for that man alone. Oh my goodness. Um that was a person who was taken from us way too soon. As yes, well. that, indeed. Guy, that guy had a long career ahead of him, and he already had a great career up to yeah. that point. I'll I'll say the same thing about him as I said about uh Chadwick Boseman when he passed. Cancer is an asshole. Oh my god. That and and you know, just since you bring it up and we brought up 42, <laughs> like, ha, like, I, I, I get it. You know, we, we, like, I think it's amazing that that man went through the like years of pain mm-hmm. and suffering. He was obviously going through and just the public appearance was that it wasn't going to take him down. I love that. But I also think it's so sad that as a society, like we have to make people feel like they have to like, I really wish I, as a fan, I could have been there to, you know, like support the guy, you know what I mean? From whatever corner I could be at to be like, you know what, Uh, you know what, knowing that like, you know, you were in total pain all the time. 
playing Black Panther and all of this. Mm-hmm. None of us, none of us knew. Like, ah, uh, it's there's, so there's, terrifying. There's one film I go back to now, and and it's it's one of those films where I can't quite articulate why I like it or why I think it's a really good movie. But Chad Chadwick in that movie has some great, just simple acting moments and great um, soft emotions throughout. And that movie is Draft Day. Uh, Draft Day is so good. When he plays, he plays oh. Von, Vontae Mack, um, linebacker, I think, from Ohio, Ohio State University, uh, hoping to get drafted. And the moments that he has on the phone with Kevin Costner are really great just this this unshakable swagger in his mind as well as just the sheer confidence in his abilities and that moment where he gets announced uh the the genuine like happy tears that man is is crying on screen just melts my heart every single time yeah Um, i remember i remember my brother being like this movie is the real deal and i'm like the kevin costner movie yeah and and i and i like kevin costner but kevin costner hasn't been like a salvageable thing in a very long time, you know? So it's just like, okay. And he goes, no, 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 dude, this movie is the real deal. And I watched it and I was like, yeah, number one, Costner is great. And number two, looking back on it, it's like, we should have going to be a superstar. (laughs) You have have great moments out of just about everybody. And, and all the, all the, all of the characters in that movie are kind of ancillary. To the yeah. whole thing of it being the 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 team as a whole. First of all, Frank Langella is always awesome. Uh, um, wow. This makes, this movie makes a great use out of Kevin Costner and and his acting style. It make uh, I even liked who is uh, who else is it? Jennifer Garner in that movie plays yeah. the, the adorable, take no nonsense assistant type character. Uh, Dennis Leary is a riot as this overly beleaguered coach. Um, Chadwick Boseman we talked about. Sean Combs as the agent to the uh, Johnny uh, Mansell alike. Yes, in that movie, he's. James. I love him whenever he shows up in movies because mm-hmm. he's always he's always so far out of his element, but he has such a good time. Yes, he does, and just nails the roles that he's in. They they find people that get how to write for him, and he he just like oh man. Have you ever seen um. Uh, God, what was the John Favreau movie that he was in? Oh, brain shutting off. There was Swingers, and then there was Made. Made. He had a tiny role in that, mm-hmm. and it was all and it was all improv. And oh wow, because it's because it's Favreau, you know. And the outtakes <laughs> are so goddamn funny. And there's this one bit. There's this one bit where Vince Vaughn is like botching his lines, and Combs like reaches across and slaps him. Goes, Somebody put a nickel in you, kid. Wind it the fuck down. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Like, like this just came out. Like, this is amazing. And, I, I feel um, like I feel like that rappers are on the same level as like professional wrestlers when it comes to instinctively knowing their way around certain elements on film yes. because they're playing a character a character of themselves in their like in their professional persona. So yeah, it's not it's not too far of a of a, a skip from there. Um, talking about draft day, I also wanted to bring yeah, up sorry. one of my favorite one of my favorite side performances is just Terry Crews. <laughs> oh my God, Terry Crews! I love I love this man. Um, Terry and, Crews oozes happiness. Yes, he does. Like it's just like this man is just happy to be here, and I this love man, him. that that moment, that ultimate moment at the end of the movie, and you can just see he is the proudest dad ever, and he's selling that just with his facial expressions. Yep. Oh, I love it. 
Have you seen uh, Fact to Sean Combs? Did you ever see Get Him to the Greek? Very, very briefly, but not to any any great you, detail. Unfortunately, you should you you should watch it. <laughs> it's again, it's again, it it's a lesser film to the film. It's kind of a sequel to, mm-hmm. but Combs Combs in that movie, mm-hmm. he is just. There's a bit where he um, where they all get high, and <laughs> starts accidentally, and he's they're in a club and like. I know that it was mostly improv because it's the people that he's working with and he's over on this like fur rug that's attached to the wall. And he goes, I love this rug, <laughs> this fucking wall. I'm going to put this shit in my house on the <laughs> outside. It's going to be like a great big purple furry fucking werewolf. And it's just, <laughs> he's just having so much fun. And like, and, and it just, there's lines in that movie where it's like, I just want to watch a whole movie of Sean Combs doing. <laughs> that's like what, what I want to see. I always, uh, have, I always have to check myself again. Speaking as a, as a white male, uh, whenever I lavish compliments on on certain actors, but yep. there, are, there are two uh, rap artists that I've seen in movies that I absolutely love, and I want to see more of them. One of them is uh, Exhibit. Um, yes. My favorite, oh. my favorite role for him was uh, as Dwayne Johnson's second in command in the uh, movie Gridiron Gang. I want to see the two of them work together again. They yeah. are hilarious together. Yes, they are. You know, you're an idiot, right? Well, I'm making progress. I used to be an asshole. <laughs> and and the other one, and this is also to to speak on how uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise has invo- evolved, is Ludacris. Ludacris. Uh, he is a We're- delight. We're gonna hire. We're gonna have Ludacris in this movie, and as the movies go along, guess what? Not only is he like, because it, 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 not only are you playing like the nerdy character. No, no, no. You're a fucking genius, and he <laughs> nails it in these silly friggin' movies, and he's having so much goddamn fun. He's he is he steals the show. He really does. I love watching and, it. And again, you know, and, and I like that you make that point because it's like when people. When people get typecast, no matter mm-hmm. what, no matter what their race, color, their skin is, when you get typecast by the way that you, you know, by what people know you for the most mm-hmm. as being something that's silly or like that whole franchise is just evolving with people going, hey, I bet you didn't think this was actually going to be good. You it's, know what it, I mean? It started, I, I you- it started as point break with race cars and it's now like James Bond, but dirty James no, James Bond by way of video games. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's literally like James Bond going, what if we were a Grand Theft Auto game? With like a high <laughs> and, and you sit there and you go, but, but in all the best ways. Like yes. there's, nothing, there's nothing offensive about the Fast and the Furious movies. They're just big and silly and kind of like, um, like the best of, you know, um, you know, seventies and eighties action comedy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of like, this could just be silly and stupid. We're not really trying to make a statement about anything. You've, you've got a, you you've know? got a, you've got a spectrum right now. On one end is Fast and the Furious. On the other end is uh, 007. And right in the middle, you've got Mission Impossible. And we can yeah, do no. everything in that spectrum. <laughs> You're one hundred percent right. And and I like when those I like when those franchises try to pull a little from each other. I like when Bond gets a little silly. And I like when Mission Impossible gets a little serious you know and, I, you know and, and <laughs> i feel so bad for daniel craig i really do I, I finally got a chance to watch some of the his his bond uh his bond run because i hadn't paid attention to it up to this point so i finally got some, to watch. Of, some of them are good and then there's specter 
Yeah, oh. I, <laughs> I finally got to watch um, Quantum of Solace. I got to watch Casino Royale, and I'm it's it's yes, it's very big and very explosive and very stylistic, but it's also very dour, very downbeat. Yes, very very intense in that like not in like the good way of of you know showing that the emotions are taking a toil and you know his work is actually impacting him, but intense in like the, the Warcraft style of no, this is super serious. I mean it. Yeah, uh, it's, kind of weird a vibe James, about it. it's weird that James Bond rebirthed itself as being edge lordy, and I <laughs> and I and I don't you know, in in a light way, but still mm-hmm. in that way of like, but you know, but I go, but I go from that movie and I go watch um, Logan Lucky. Oh. I go and watch. I go and watch um, Knives Out. I go and watch a kid in King Arthur's court. Yep. This man is a character actor. Let him play a character. Imagine if you I could bring you. Imagine if he was allowed to bring James Bond in between where he was right now with the character and um, uh, um, Knives Out. If he could somehow find a middle between that. I mean, like, even, even Pierce Brosnan told jokes. But see, James, James Bond <laughs> is supposed to be um, he's supposed one to be of the suave. things. He's supposed to be stylish. He's supposed to be. Not only that, not only that, but he's supposed to be eccentric. Yes. That's an important thing. James Bond was not perfect. And and these movies definitely did a good job at showing that. I loved Casino Royale showing that James Bond could get the shit kicked out of him. And I loved Quantum of Solace being like, hey, what if we took the man approach and showed your perfect guy is, no, I'm a go that if, if not controlled, I'm going to go off and make a guy drink motor oil and walk out in the middle of the fucking desert. Yeah. You know, I, I loved that stuff, but at the same time, I'm like, this is a different movie. Mm-hmm. Like you're making something different. Just call it something different and I'll be on board with it. You know what I mean? But you're calling it James Bond and I'm not having fun. Mission Impossible seems to be going a route that I almost want to compare uh, Tom Cruise's way of playing Ethan Hunt to how Jackie Chan appears in a lot of his movies. Yes, yes. Because they they've been they've been going on on this uh, notion ever since I think John Woo's movie number two, which is not my favorite. Oh um, God! And, and and God damn if it isn't one of the prettiest ones too. Oh, it oh, is, it is, oh, but no. it's not my favorite. <laughs> but they've been going on this idea of like Ethan Hunt is the super secretist of secret agents that IMF has. But I love also how in the movies he's constantly on the back foot and getting the shit kicked out of him, which makes well, it so much more satisfying to watch. I, 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 I really do not like Tom Cruise as a person, but he is one of the few people that I really feel I can make the case for of. I 100% separate this art you're putting on screen with who you are as a person. Oh, I I unashamedly I unashamedly list some Tom Cruise movies in my all-time favorites. My absolute favorite is The Last Samurai still. Yes, absolutely. And and the thing is is because he takes the Bruce Willis diehard approach to mm-hmm. I'm not I am not this China doll that you can't screw up. Mm-hmm. This is the thing I disliked about Leonardo DiCaprio for the or- early portion of his career is somebody had this thing about him that he could not get roughed up in his movies. Yeah, don't and, don't don't damage the merchandise because he was on and, the covers of magazines. And 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 I know that wasn't all his doing. That's just no. what he was caught up in. But Cruz Cruz is in an in a time in his life where he literally could die doing normal movie stuff, yeah. And instead, and instead, he's saying, "You know what? I wouldn't want a stuntman to hurt themselves. I'm going to do this myself." Mm-hmm. And 
he looks like he's having so much goddamn <laughs> fun doing it. And that translates and so well on screen, too. Like, genuine emotions are always more delightful to experience. Well, I, I love that Ethan Hunt is telling me, I'm not sure if I'm going to pull this off. In, like, the look <laughs> Like, like, I love that he can convey that. And I don't think we give enough credit to the fact that, you know, and again, I think Tom Cruise sucks. And I also think he's one of the best actors for action films that we have still, still acting. He rules. Two votes. You know, which is different than Mel Gibson, who, because of the fact that, yeah, okay, Scientology hurts people that are stupid enough to pay enough money to become Scientologists. Mm -hmm. They're not running around trying to hurt me. I know that they (laughs) suck. Tom, uh, you know, uh, Mel Gibson is outwardly trying to hurt people that I love, and I yeah. can't, I can't pay him for that. I can't do it. <laughs> the the only the only Mel Gibson movie I think that I still enjoy on any level is probably The Patriot. God, and, the Patriot is so goddamn good, <laughs> and I kind of love it in spite of it being a. Uh, who's that? Who's the director? Roland Emmerich. Thank you, Roland Emmerich movie. Best um, of his career, in my opinion. Yeah, and I and I like Roland Emmerich. Um, with uh, with like a that's like a tongue in cheek. Like I think, oh yeah, I, yeah. I like I Roland just, Emmerich. Giant fucking asterisk. Yes, <laughs> I can't discredit the guy who made Stargate, Independence Day, and um, The Patriot. That's true. I can't. I can't discredit him for no. But I can discredit him for making Anonymous and Stonewall. Yes, that's a good. He doesn't seem to. There seems to be some sort of disconnect because Roland Emmerich, I believe, is a gay man, and mm-hmm. so I can see, you know, okay, I I want to be the guy making the Stonewall movie. It's like, but you are not in the right nuance of filmmaker. You you're forgetting, like, you don't. Do you not understand that you whitewashed this? Does yeah. that not at all? ring true in your head at all that what you did was a huge disservice to the story you're trying to tell like don't do you not get it <laughs> uh and let i don't me, think he does i genuinely don't think he does that's let that's me, the problem no there's too much let me sum up <laughs> here's everything that here's everything wrong with what you're doing we're not mad that yeah. you're doing we're mad that you're doing it this way because again i also really despise michael bay but when he put his passion project on the screen and made pain and gain i applauded the hell out of him for it because it's like you are 100 percent in your wheelhouse and having so much fun i'm so happy it's amazing it's amazing to think about michael bay and probably my favorite movie that he's done is also probably the least michael bay of what people think a michael bay movie is and that's the rock yeah no, we, we actually were having a conversation, me and my friends recently, because it, you know, I, I in the same vein, I also rewatched Armageddon, which mm-hmm. is the most unabashedly Michael Bay, Michael Bay. <laughs> and it is still better because Armageddon is a mess, but I but I it, it still works, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect it to. Whereas everything he's made as of late, leaving out pain and gain and, you know, OK, I'll also. I'll also leave out his Benghazi movie because yeah. poli- politics aside, he did a fine job. It's not it's not a terribly made film. It's competent. You know, I, yeah, it's competent and 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 it doesn't have the Michael Bay problem that all of those fucking Transformers movies have. Mm-hmm. And 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 that is you know and God and going back you know I expected Armageddon to hold up just as bad as like Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two did. <laughs> I realized that no, 
The difference is Armageddon is not racist. Right. Yeah, there's some questionable, but it's like whoever wrote the screenplays for the Bad Boys movies, like if I was Will Smith and Martin Lawrence looking back on that, it's different than like the, even though they were blatantly racist and homophobic and bad, it's not the same as like Eddie Murphy's stand up. Yeah. You know, and I know that that's what they think they're doing. Oh, if we stand around and drop the N-word and poke fun and be a, oh, no, 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 it's not the same. You guys are being played. This yeah. is like Dave Chappelle and Chappelle's show when you realize that all of his writers were white. Yeah. And, and it's like, um, whoops. <laughs> you, you know I, what I mean? I, I think pretty much the only Eddie Murphy bit that, that survives from his old stand-up days is ice cream. Yes. No, it, it, <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, and, and I remember my father showing me those and being and my, my you know just you like this is hilarious this this guy is really funny and i remember like yeah that's eddie murphy like you know and then you look back at it and you go yeah it was really goddamn funny the guy can tell a great joke that's really homophobic and mm-hmm. not good <laughs> like i i can accept that he's changed <laughs> because because the 70s and 80s were a rough time for everybody um trying to make jokes uh but goddamn that's not good. <laughs> like we, so uh. this, uh, this seems like an, uh, a, a segue to talk about the show I keep mentioning. Yeah, um, sorry. I, I, no, I no, no, actually, no. I was actually <laughs> ju- just about to give you, to give you the timing for because, because, because I also have to get back to work. So. Here's, what the, here's where the thought went in my head, just talking about Eddie Murphy now, because I wanted to talk about uh, like going back and watching some of his old movies, and there's a really big disconnect in, in terms of uh, the tone that I think the movie's trying to get me to gel onto and what I can't accept anymore. Uh, one of them is, and they're pretty much the same kind of movie, one of them is the Beverly Hills Cop movies, yep. which I still unashamedly love. They are hilarious and also a, a, a good, um, solid action movies in their own right. Yep. And then recently I, I got back and tried to look at a couple of movies that people deemed as, you know, classics, scare quotes, classics. And I watched 48 hours for the first time. I couldn't, I could not finish that movie. I could not, I could not continue to watch this movie because everybody involved is a horrible person and I don't like any of them. Yeah. 48 hours did not um, escape its time at all. And it was uh, it was uh, such a shame for me because The Warriors is one of my favorite movies, and I was delighted to see all of those actors back in a film together. And yep. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a tough one. But um, so the, I've done podcasts with my friend uh, Marissa McCool for a couple of times. We tried a, a various different things. We used to be roommates together, but I say she's my best friend, my oldest friend. Certainly, we've been friends for about twenty three years now. Awesome. Uh, ever, ever since middle school, um, we had we, we had a skit together where we made up Elizabethan dialogue, and the rest is history. Wow. Um, so this is a, a, a the 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 podcast right now has a, the title, but I heard about it, and the premise of this coming up was actually kind of genius. So uh, if you ever talk to Marissa, get her to tell this story. Um, she was uh, spending some time with with her partner Murphy. And the subject of Back to the Future came up. Uh, I think it was like on on uh, television that they were watching, and Murphy ended up saying, "I'd never seen this movie." Um, so they watched it, and then after a while, they started discussing it with each other, and they realized, you know what? There's a podcast in this because yeah. we can have this we can have this discussion because I'm sure there are some other people who have heard of this movie but never seen it. And uh, after a couple of episodes, they brought me on, 
um, as somebody who loves movies, loves movie tropes, loves talking about media and, and trends. And I got to join for, uh, one of the episodes, the early episodes, uh, we watched the first couple of episodes of the newsroom as something. Cause it was, it, it used to be uh, one of our favorite sh- shows to watch uh, as a household. And later on, we went to uh, out cold and Kingsman, the secret service, which Murphy had never seen before. Oh. Um, out cold was a fun one to revisit because at the time, I don't think I had realized how much that plot is supposed to be a pastiche of a Casablanca. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to the point that to the point that the main character is actually named Rick. <laughs> I wow! Now I need to listen to this episode and watch that movie again. Wow. <laughs> it's on. It's on Spreaker. Just search uh, for "But I Heard About It." Um, and wow. also, also the the jokes. This is like early exposure to Zach Galifianakis and his brand of humor. A lot of the yep. jokes are still very fucking funny. Yeah, um, he was. He's in, he's one of those guys that is actually better. Then I think Zach Galifianakis wants you to think that he is. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like he's, it's that defeat. It, it, it's different than like the Will Ferrell and those guys brand of humor where Galifianakis' thing is that he wants you to hear him do something and then two or three years later go, oh yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a long-term, and, it's like a long-term joke grenade. And, and, and I feel like, he got himself marketed because of the hangover films as more of an in your face, like attack clown, like Tom green kind of thing yeah. where he's actually oddly a lot more nuanced than that in he his, does, in his he, humor. It's weird. He does a right? great, he does a great job being both the butt of so much slapstick comedy in that movie, but also earnestly being the best friend of the main character at the same time. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's what I hated about the sequels is that, they stopped making it about these people. The, the people in the hangover felt real mm-hmm. and they felt like, like I, it, Roger Ebert said this best. He, what he really liked about the first two American pie movies is that there, no one is the foil of any of these kids. Mm-hmm. Even stiff, even stiffler is learning something and mm-hmm. acting the way he is because he's going through a change and they all are. And because of that, you sit there and when when someone's the butt of a joke, it's not a butt of a joke because they're vindictive. It's just bad shit, you know, happening to people that are kind of in over their head. And that's what made the first Hangover great is that it really ends it up of, yeah, they all did some questionable things, but it all worked out good for them. They didn't like ruin somebody's life. Right. And, it's, it's all about how much you can get the audience to actually yeah. care about the characters as people. And when you get to the sequels, like the big reveal of like the main character there is, well, I'm a horrible person. I've realized that it's like, yeah, I know the movie (laughs) spent the whole time telling me that. And I hate you all now. (laughs) (laughs) So that that's the trend. We added our fourth uh, cast member, Natalie, around episode nine. Uh, We reviewed reality bites and talking about movies that do not hold up. Yep. I was going to say that's a, that's a perfect opportunity to go like, yeah, we're just going to put this one back in the nostalgia box. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's the first we, we've, we've come off of this. Now the, the premise of the show, but I heard about it is it's involving a movie that at least one of us in the group has never seen before. Um, so it's always their fresh take. Uh, we, 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 we set it up where we go like almost scene by scene through the movie or bit by bit through the movie and we talk about things. We occasionally inject jokes because that's the kind of humor that we like. Right. Um, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they make us laugh, uh, which is always the goal. 
Um, and, but really, it's about getting the perspective of the person who's seeing this movie for the first time and then everybody else who's seen it either before or multiple times or knows more about it to fill in the blanks afterward and have uh, a really earnest discussion. Uh, we did ma- we managed that with one episode. That's one of our recent ones, and I'll get to that in a bit. Um, Reality Bites was the first one, I think, where none of us had anything positive to say about the movie when it was all done. It was, it was, one of the, it was the only movie that we'd all seen that all of us hated and hated to a wonderful degree. Wow. Um, and uh, Natalie, we, we, Natalie was supposed to be just the, the guest for that, but we liked working with her so much. So now our podcast is a foursome. Uh, That's awesome. The, the most recent episode we did uh, was the movie Carol from 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the Kate Blanchett one, the uh, 50s period uh, lesbian romance movie. Yep. Um, and it's, it's one of the ones where I had, I had difficulty articulating all of my feelings at the end of it, but it's a stunning movie to watch. And it's one of those that makes me both, both sad and angry when, you know, considering the realities of uh, what this this woman would have had to go through in that time period in order to live the life that was honest to her. Um, yeah. But it's a beautiful movie, and Kate Blanchett is one of my favorite actresses of all time. But probably the national treasure. That, yep. that, we've had that we've had a couple we've had a couple of um, queer ex- queer specific movies that we've watched so far. Uh, right after Reality Bites, we watched a film called uh, Boy Meets Girl. Yeah. Um, it's from 2014. It's the the travails of a uh, young trans woman, um, and that was a, a, a both a hard movie to watch, but also a delightful movie to watch. And this is one where I started my running gag on the show of uh, tallying up good dad points um, oh. for characters, just because like doting parents and like actual happy parents is something of a of a pleasant. Uh, emotional trigger of mine. I love seeing it. I love seeing it done honestly. And I was surprised about this because we had the, um, you had the, the father of the main character who is supportive and honest and earnest, like how much he loves his daughter for who she is throughout the entirety of the movie. You have the father of the love interest who is explicitly like a typical Kentucky fried uh, Republican Senator and even he gets good dad points at the end. There's this moment in the movie where um, the love interest's uh, transphobic fiance comes into the picture and starts shouting at her about her relationship with the main character. And as soon as he raises his voice, the father of the love interest turns and grabs him by the neck and just basically says, "And I will break you. I don't care if you're what military you served in. I will break your head off if you talk to my daughter that way." And I, that, that was the point. That was the point on the podcast where I literally threw my hands up and cheered. <laughs> That's awesome. We had some fun. Um, this was the more polarizing episode we did. Was probably Donnie Darko. Um, oh. Now, which that version was, of the film did you watch? I watched the theatrical the, the theatrical cut because that was the only one I could get my hands on. Um, it is that was the one where I probably had the the most negative reaction out of everybody watching. Um, that that's fine. I, I love I love that movie, but I get it. Yeah. Never ever ever watch the version where the director tried to explain what what was going on. <laughs> it, I, I as a fan of that movie, and then watching him try to go and this is what I meant. I went no, no, no that's not what you meant. Nope. Because nope. if that if that was what you meant, that was what would be on screen. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Like <laughs> no. <laughs> we had a lot of fun uh, with one episode, which was my first time watching one of my wife's favorite movies, which is But I'm a Cheerleader. 
Oh yeah, woohoo! I felt like that's a that's a fun one that could be a lot darker than it already is on its surface. Because the yeah. one reference, like the one reference I kept going back to, was like a John Waters movie. But it's like, no, John Waters would have a lot more darker places to go. Yeah, John, John Waters would have. I, I I love John Waters. <laughs> what John Waters would have created would have been a lot more impactful, even though that movie is still. Pre- but mm-hmm. I'm afraid of what Waters would have done. <laughs> but the, the the lead actress in that one is so adorable from start to finish. She's like just yep. this, perf- this perfect strawberry shortcake of a character. Um, and I was I was thrilled because I got to see a couple of uh, favorite recognizable faces. We talked about Dante Basco before. Um, yep. I was also happy to see Kit Pardue in that movie. Um, he's one that I go to a lot. A lot of my base for this, we, we have a master list of about 2,000 films from all four of us that we can remember uh, having seen at one point. And a lot of mine are action, martial arts, or sports movies. Because that was a thing that I wanted to get into as like kind of a solo critique career back when I was young and, and wanted to jump on kind of like the uh, channel awesome like bandwagon. Um, but it's certainly like a genre of film that I un- unashamedly love. Uh, and I got that from my dad, mostly. Um, nice. Probably our best episode for just the sheer amount of glee we all had in, in watching it was uh, the one before Carol, which was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yay! Never seen it. And You've never seen it? That was the first they, movie they, I recall seeing in theaters. They had never seen it. Uh, I'd oh. seen it. I, I, I'd watched the behind the scenes because early Robert Zemeckis is so my wheelhouse. Like I got excited. I wanted to be a part of this when they mentioned back to the future was the first movie they watched. Those three movies are probably the one I could just put on heavy rotation all the time, no matter what I'm doing. I love the back to the future movies. Yeah. They are in a genre in and of themselves of film. There, there's a, <laughs> there's no, like I remember cause they all came out so damn close to each other. And I was a little kid and I remember they all just kind of blended together and it's like, it felt like there was like 20 movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, cause it, there's just so much there. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things like uh, listening to the behind the scenes with uh, Zemeckis and Bob Gale talking about the writing process and especially how they constructed the sequels. It's fun to watch it as one gigantic movie. Do you know the tie um, between back to the future and kingdom of the crystal skull? Ooh, um, oh, movie trivia on the line. No, I do not. What's that? So one of the early drafts, which you can still find being part of the story, and when they go back to the past and Doc Brown has that newspaper clipping of, like, local man blows up his garage or blows up his house. Oh. Um, you know, um, was the original mode for time travel was a fridge with a nuclear yes. bomb going on Yes, here. I remember that. Oh, my God. Oh, I completely missed that. i just that's one of my favorite pieces of trivia that ties those movies together and so there's there's spielberg and lucas kind of giving their buddies zemeckis a little nod of Mm -hmm. yeah this might have been too weird for your movie but we're gonna try it (laughs) there's there's a lot of fun movies there's a lot of fun movies that uh, we have on the list um right now how we're working it we're we're still we're 15 episodes in but we're still feeling out exactly how the formula is supposed to work so how we're making it work now is each week, one of the cast uh, chooses the movie. So Carol was Murphy's pick. Um, Natalie is up next, and I believe the next episode we're going to be watching Booksmart. Nice, uh, I've heard that's which, very good. I haven't yep. seen it. It'll be neither have I. That's why it was picked. Uh, that's why it was picked. 
<laughs> so this will be my first time watching it. And I think uh, for mine, I, I got stuck on a couple of films because I wanted to kind of break the mold of um, sort of uh, interesting comedies and high dramas. I wanted to say, well, I know they probably haven't seen a lot of things based in martial arts action. So I was kind of weighing my options and we hit on something that uh, Murph misconstrued, which is why I'm going to be delighted to show them this movie. My pick after that is going to be uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, those, oh they, they have no idea what they're in store for. Now, now Marissa has seen it because I made her watch it. Um, oh, it, my Lord. It is a delight. I, I love showing that to I, I had a, a we had a group of friends um, down where I used to live in, in York, PA. We'd get together and have movie nights uh, every other week or so. And I remember we did uh, one event where it was like, can we put some some either either bad movies or interesting movies on the list? And that's where I watched uh, FDR American Badass, which was ridiculous. <laughs> the best um, we watched um, the Adventures of uh, the Adventures of Mark Twain, yep. the, old, the old claymation movie. Yep. Um, and I put on The Last Dragon as my pick. And that was one that was just like universally beloved of all the movies we watched that night. Cause it's a fun movie. Oh, it's so much fun. And, um, show enough is the greatest movie villain of all time. He is. And I love that. Uh, <laughs> um, Oh boy. What is his name? <laughs> rapper. Um, rapper. Oh crap. Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes does just stops one of his music videos to be yep. the last dragon for like five minutes. Hey, Leroy. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that on MTV and going, <laughs> I, I love that everyone's a geek. <laughs> oh man. Raise that flag higher. Um, uh, so I, I, I would like to say um, only cause I, I got to go back to, to my silly job very soon. Um, be, and it sounds like we need to get you back on. Cause I think you and I could talk. Hey. Yeah. Um, and, and no, and I mean, I, I hate cutting people off. Like I'd go, I'd go for four hours, but, um, I, but I wanted to say, you know, your show sounds great. I can't wait to have your, um, the host, you know, as well on, uh, to talk with her about it too, because I, I would love to be on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We'd love to have you. Um, I can send you a link to the list and you can see yes. our, our list. And if you if you've got one that none of us have seen, by well, all one means. that I haven't seen would be even better, which is rare and harder <laughs> to find. But um, yeah, really. there are some. There are movies out there. Um, what, what I was going to say is comedy to make it suffer through. Nice. <laughs> so what, what I wanted to say was, you know, th this is your chance. Your outside of, you know, we, we've we've geeked out. We've talked about fun stuff. We talked about your show. But if there's any shout out or anything or anybody you want to say something to or point us to something. You know, whatever it is, this is this is your sounding board, sir. All right. And I want to so, and I want to thank you again for being an incredible guest, and thank you for that that random tweet that that started this. <laughs> thank you for answering, and thank you for giving me the platform. I appreciate of it. Of course, of course. So I'm going to start again by uh, promoting the the podcast we're currently working on. It's called "But I Heard About It." It's currently on uh, Spreaker.com. Um, it's created by Marissa Alexa McCool. She is the showrunner and she's got a bunch of other podcasts. If you're interested in either, uh, queer discussions or current events. Um, also you can find me, uh, with some of my friends that we do stuff for conventions on Twitter at pop ramen comedy and improv. The Twitter handle nice. is at the Twitter handle is at pop ramen comedy. 
Uh, we post uh, pretty infrequently just because the this year has kind of disrupted a lot of our plans, but we're hoping to come up with some more streamable content and some more convention content in the following year. Awesome. And the convention stuff sounds incredible, too. <laughs> I, to, for anyone to say they've been doing something at a con for 16 years. 16 is, years and still running. It's it, I, the, I remember. Chris, I have I to remember, say this is the most baffling yeah. thing. The most baffling thing to me, and I love these guys so much. There is a group of about three people who have been coming to that show since the very, very first one, that very first panel. They what? still come every year after that because they have too much of a great time. It's crazy to think, you know, even prior to 16 years ago, when you were a <laughs> when you were a, when you were a fan of something, mm-hmm. even even finding a con was hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially local. And, and they were, you know, n- not to talk down. I mean, this is just what happens, but they weren't in the, you know, most easy to find or most um, comforting of places in the right. world back in the day. Right. You know, to, to know that like a kid in their family can go into like really nice, bright, beautiful places now, like a big convention expo center mm-hmm. and have an entire thing that one is not just open to them and the stuff they're into. But, like, I loved waiting in line for PAX East and standing next to, you know, jock kids that were there for, you know, some eSports game that they loved. <laughs> and, they weren't, and they weren't treating the kid in the brony costume or the girl in the anime cosplay or the, you know, kid that was, you know, playing with a fidget spinner that, you know, <laughs> was just waiting to get it. Everyone was so accepting of each other. And, and back 16 years ago, 20 years ago, you were afraid to tell somebody that you liked that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it's, it's taken, it's taken years, but ultimately we're starting to realize that there's a big enough sandbox for every kid to come and play. And, and I think that's really important because it used to be like, that's the weird kid and, <laughs> you're, and you're forgetting that, you know, we're all yeah, the weird might, kid. Yeah. You might not admit it, but the football player kid is way into his stats and, you know, you know, or, or whatever. And like, remembers all the numbers from his players or secretly has a comic book collection that he doesn't want to get made fun of. So he doesn't tell anybody about it. But I mean, it's, it's like when I don't, I don't know if you remember um, when robot chicken was first around. Yes. Um, So the commentary for the first run of robot chicken, they have um, the girl that does Meg on family guy. What is her name? Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis is sitting there with, you know, Seth green and all of them. And, they are doing an episode where the three of the, the, the guys on the commentary start talking about Dungeons and Dragons and Mila Kunis starts talking about Dungeons and Dragons and mm-hmm. her DM and playing. And you can just hear the three of them, like just stop working. Like the, the, the <laughs> what? because, because even then, and again, that's, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, it's just, you would not talk. And again, this is, this is bad stereotypes and things we need to get rid of and have been getting rid of. But the geeky kid talking about D and D and his, with his friends would never talk about it around the girl in the room. That was <laughs> how society bred you to be. And she's just sitting there breaking the mold of going, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a girl and I should be into these things because society says it, but <laughs> no, I, you know, I hang out and eat Funyuns and drink Mountain Dew with my friends and play Dungeons and Dragons. What do you want of it? And it's just like, this is awesome. <laughs> I will, I will say that in my circle of friends, the conversation has evolved to what other games besides D and D are y'all willing to play? 
Yes. No, no, that, that's <laughs> I, I have a right. We got a regular we got a regular group with D D, but I'm trying to slowly coax them to play uh, third edition Exalted with me. I've got I'm another group bored. of I've got another group of friends. We play a uh, young teen superheroes game using powered by the apocalypse rules. Um, it's it's a delight. There's more than enough space out there. So start with D and D, but definitely broaden your horizons. Yes. No. It just <laughs> and, and also that's a really important point. Like right to some people on the outside, that was the geekiest thing you could do like it's like oh no there's better <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's what i mean you go and it's like no D is like the gateway drug now man wait to <laughs> see what i have in store for you like come, you're on, gonna come lose- on come around the table we're gonna break out second edition nobilis yeah you're you're gonna lose <laughs> you're you're gonna wake up in a week and forget reality that's what <laughs> you know and, i got and a, i got a copy of worldwide wrestling that i've been aching to try out oh that's awesome and, and i think <laughs> It's just the the celebration of, uh, and again, this is you know this comes from the the music that that I you know the, the the punk rock scene and things like that moves into you know the underground side of anime and fandom and video games and tabletop gaming. The fact that it has this broad appeal now, but hasn't lost that you can all be different but still be accepted thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that it hasn't lost that is so damn important. You've got, you've got, still got the the jerks who want to gatekeep, of and, and dick measure, and get into nothing but pissing contests. But by and large, it's all about uh, come on in, everybody's welcome at the table. Come play games, and, and I like play that, more games. Play games. Games are fun, and I like <laughs> that as a whole. The gatekeeper sect get kind of pushed out, and that makes me happy. They, you know what? They can have the VIP room all by themselves. We'll be out in the parking lot playing uh, kickball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, c- because that's another hour that I could talk about. about how- <laughs> um, thank you so much, good sir. For oh my goodness, Chippa. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Um, this has been an absolute joy, and I hate that I have to end these things and go back to the real world, but I do. <laughs> um, so I'll catch you later, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it.